0: Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Joshua chapter 3, it'll be on the screen as well, Um, and we'll begin in verse 1. We'll read six verses of scripture this morning. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. And he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. How many of you are ready to cross over? So it was, after three days, there's something about God in three days. After three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out or you shall leave from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it. About 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you should go. For you have not passed this way before. And Jesus said to the, uh, Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. We'll take our text this morning out of verse number five. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. We'll take our subject this morning. From the idea dreams and wonders. Dreams and wonders. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We feel your presence in this sanctuary today. This is your holy sanctuary. God, I'm asking you today that you would empower me and enable me to communicate with your people in such a way that inspires their hearts that lifts up the cast-down face. God, that gives somebody the courage to dream again, that gives somebody the courage to believe that you are a wonder-working God, that their purpose is still intact, that it's not over, and that their best is yet to come. I submit my life to you this morning, each and every one of us do, and we ask you to have your way in this room. It's your anointing that breaks the yoke and sets the captive free. So right now, under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ, we rebuke any spirit that might try to distract your people from receiving what you have for us today. We cast down any stronghold or imagination that would build itself against you and against your word. We pray your word go forth like a hammer and do its work. We trust you, Lord. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before we go on, would you do me a favor and just give God one more praise? Put your hands together and give him a shout. You may be seated. Somebody say that, dreams and wonders. As we've covered this morning pretty well, Tomorrow, our nation will stop and celebrate a man with a dream. Martin Luther King Jr. didn't have a good idea. He had a dream. Ideas and dreams are not the same thing. Ideas are generalized conceptions derived from specific thoughts. Ideas carry mental understanding but not the passion to see it form your future. Martin Luther King Jr. didn't have an idea. Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream. See, ideas slide through our mind with excitement, but dreams stick to our heart with expectation. Dreams are thoughts that visited your mind and you allowed them to take up residence and they work toward forming your future. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream reminds me of a prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. You will know it. He said, Father, make them one, even as you and I are one. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream was twofold it was one of integration, and it was one of interrelated reality. Integration and integrated, interrelated reality. Integration is about maturity. I'm going to slow down here. Integration is about maturity. The root word for integration is the word integer. If you remember in math class when we were in high school, they would talk to us about integers. The word integer literally means to be completely whole or mature. It's where we get the word integrity. Integration does not produce integrity. Integrity produces integration. I'll say this. You cannot even be fully mature or whole in your life until you embrace the idea of integration God is not a God of one kind God is a God of many kinds In Isaiah when he talks about his house he says all nations shall flow unto it it's literally the word ethnos where we get the word ethnicity from all ethnicities flow unto it our God is not so simple that he would only want a monochrome church Our God is not so simple that he would want everything just in grayscale. God is a God of multiplicity. God is a God of integration. God is a God of color. God is a God that is so saturated and beautiful that he would not allow for his people to just be one kind. I have a hard time with people that only want to worship with white people. I have a hard time with, with people that only want to worship with black people. I don't know about you, but I need to experience God's Oh, he made us in his image, and he made us in his likeness. That means he made you just like he made me. You might have a different expression of who God is, but I need to get close to you because I need to experience God in a different kind of way. I'm not so big-minded that I think that I carry all of what God is. No, I need you to have a full experience of who God is. Don't let anybody tell you different. God is a God of integration. You are not even fully mature until you can embrace that. Martin Luther King's dream was a dream built on the philosophy of interrelated reality. I won't spend a lot of time here, but I will read this quote. Interrelated reality says this All mankind is tied together, all life is interrelated. And we are all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly, affects all indirectly. Jesus said that you will know my disciples by their love one for another. He prayed, Father, make them one, even as you and I are one. If you don't think interrelated reality is a real thing, just look at the nation around you. If something affects one, it affects all of us indirectly. We may not have an opinion about it. We may not even voice it. We may not even see it. But I promise you it's showing up at your doorstep at some point. Tomorrow, this nation will take a day to acknowledge and celebrate a man that some hate and others admire. Regardless of anyone's personal opinion about Martin Luther King Jr. as a man, what he preached and what he talked about was his dream. I truly believe that we, as a church, we are enjoying that dream today. When you look around, you can't help but see those of many colors, those of many backgrounds, those of many uh, 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 upbringings. Did not this baritone voice of pinpoint precision say? You heard him on the video this morning. I have a dream. That little black boys and little black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. I promise you if you walk around that corner and go into that kids hall, you'll see a bunch of little kids of different kinds smiling and worshiping and learning about Jesus together. They don't even have an acknowledgement if one is white, black, brown, red, or green. They just know they're in God's house learning about Jesus. It was more than rhetoric and rhythm of speech. It was something that even the vilest of men could not ignore. The orator extraordinaire strategically fabricated his dream in sermons and speeches that secured some and shocked others. He marched from one city to the next proclaiming, I have a dream today, and you must dream too. Look at somebody and say, Dream on. Dream on. For you and I, dreaming is not an option. For you and I, dreaming is not an option, it's an opportunity. Dreaming is not a a, a remote fantasy. Dreaming is a responsibility. Nations are changed by dreamers. Communities are changed by dreamers. Families are changed by dreamers. They are changed by dreamers who brave the cold valleys of despair to climb mountains of destiny. Reformation occurs only when we ascend the mountains of determination and when we have hearts filled with relentless courage. Dreamers don't settle for less. Dreamers don't settle in the lush meadows of self-gratification and contentment. That's not what dreamers do. They are driven by their cause and propelled forward by their purpose. They look at rejection as a sign of motivation. They hear words of discouragement as reminders that they must go on and they must dream on. We need some dreamers in this generation again. All we have are complainers and opinionators in this generation. I want to hear somebody that has a dream that is divinely given from the mouth of God that says, yes, we can live together in unity and harmony. Thank God for dreamers. Thank God for the mountain. Thank God for the climb. Thank God for the valley. But God, thank God for the mountaintop. Because like the preacher said on the video this morning, we're going to get there. We may not be there yet, but we're certainly on our way. Hallelujah. Thank God for a people that are willing to cast off traditions of hate and racism and lay down every prejudice. Thank God for a congregation that will join hands in saying, you are my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand, and together we will work until he comes. Are there any dreamers in the house this morning? Is there anybody in here that believes that can be possible? You know why we don't get many hand claps when we ask that question? Because some people just don't believe it anymore. They've been told it too many times. It became familiar to them. They can't even believe in their own dream anymore. Are there any dreamers in the house this morning? So as we approach this text in Joshua chapter 3, We see the people of God arrive at this same place. They're in a place where the people of God have experienced deliverance, but have yet to walk in God's promise. They've experienced deliverance, but they have yet to walk in God's promise. They've seen God do miracles but they were yet to be settled. God kept them safe, but they were wandering. They had yet to live and to walk in the purpose and promise that God had given them. You see, this generation of God's people were not the same generation that walked over on dry ground when the Red Sea parted. This is not the same generation that experienced God sending plagues to liberate their family. They didn't have to walk under the oppressive hand of Pharaoh. They did not have to live under that heaviness and that burden. They did not have to live in that toil. This was a generation that thought they lived in freedom. They heard the stories of oppression, but they, ha- they didn't walk in the reality of what oppression really is. See, some people think they're oppressed because they can't have what they want, but they don't know what it is to not even have the option to have what they want. They don't know what it is to be beaten down and said, you're not even allowed to dream. You toil and you work for my benefit. Your work and your toil don't work for you. This generation didn't have that experience. It reminds me of the generation we live in today. We live in a generation that doesn't know what it is to fight for freedom. This generation doesn't even know. We have people that are complaining about living in slavery and oppression, and they don't even really know what that even means because they haven't lived in it. They've been set free from it, but they don't know it. This generation of God's people would wake up in the morning and manna would be at their doorstep. Everything they needed was provided when they woke up. Not just what they needed, but the precise amount for their household was provided when they woke up in the morning. They were used to God doing wonders. Why? Because they didn't have to work for their sustenance. All they had to do was wander. See, God will provide for wanderers all the time. If you get in the right little uh, desert time and wander around, you may wake up to God's provision, but that is not your promise. This generation was used to God providing for them. They didn't have to do nothing about it. The most energy they had to exert to experience God's wonders in their life was to wake up in the morning and gather it. See, but this kind of provision that God gave them wasn't uh, the kind of provision that is a lasting blessing. I call this provision. I don't call it blessing. When I look at the manner that God gave those people, I see it as God providing for them. He wasn't blessing them. Because what I understand about God's blessing is that his blessing accumulates. He blesses you to be a blessing. So when you get blessed, it accumulates. That's why he said, I will bless you. You It will be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Why? Because God's blessing accumulates. God wants to bless you to be a blessing. But when it came to the manna, the manna was only good for one day. They were not allowed to store it because by the next day it was rotten and it was covered in worms. Why? Because it wasn't God's blessing. It was God's provision. Too many people are settling for God's wonders in his providing hand. God wants to do more than just provide for you. God wants to bless you. God has called you to be his people, and there is a promise or declared over your life. He doesn't want you living a life where you're just wandering. God wants to perform wonders for you. He doesn't just want to provide for you. God wants to bless you. That's a good place right there to give God praise. See, live outside the promise long enough and you'll question if it'll ever come. Live with just a dream and no reality and you'll question if it's more than anything but a fantasy. I came to encourage some people this morning, if there's nothing else I do this morning, to believe again. I'm going to say it again because that doesn't hit home because we have a hard time with believing in this generation. We forgot what believing is. We forgot how to believe. We've been disappointed so many times that we are scared to even take the chance to believe. I came by this morning to encourage somebody to believe again. If God said it, he will do it. If God said it, he will do it. God's word does not return void. God's word accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. That's what God's word does. I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't settle. Don't give in. Don't break down. Don't settle for what you got right now because God's promise is real. Whatever he declared over your life shall come to pass. But Pastor Josh, you don't understand what I'm facing. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't know how impossible it seems. You don't know the mountain in front of me. You don't know the ocean in front of me. I came by to tell you I don't care how impossible it seems. It is not impossible. Believe again. Believe again. Believe again. Look at somebody and tell them, believe again. Jesus said with man, yes, it is impossible. But with God, all things, are possible all things are possible Je- jesus also said in mark nine twenty things 23 all things are possible to him who believes i came by this morning to tell you to believe again believe again don't give up on your dream stop putting it in the closet stop stop hiding it from your own face see you were told don't share your dream because somebody will throw you in prison Don't share your dream because like Joseph, they'll ridicule you. Don't share your dream. And they said it so many times, you stop sharing your dream with yourself. You buried it in the back corner in a box in the back of your storage unit, and, you, and it's collecting dust. And every time you go into that little room to grab something you might need, you take a glance over there and you see it, and you want so badly to go back and visit that dream that God gave you, that word he spoke over your life, but you're scared to touch it because you've experienced so many disappointments. You've seen so many come and go, and so many fall and hit their knees, and you're worried that man I don't even have what it takes to get to that I don't know why God would tell me that it's just a fantasy and I came in this room today to tell you to go get that box pull it out dust it off open it up and look at your dream again look at your dream again look at your dream again why because your dream shall come to pass because if God said it You can start that business. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You can bring your family back together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't understand the strife in my family. You don't know how broken we are. Yeah, I don't know how broken you are, but I know how big God's hands are. And he can pick up any shattered piece and put it back together again. The pot might get marred in the potter's hand, but he'll make it new again. That's what the prophet said. I promise you, you can. You can. You can. You can. You can. You can. Somebody say, believe again. These were people that knew there was a promise. How cruel it must have been in their minds that they were wandering in this desert. And it wasn't that big a space. So how many times do you think they crossed by the Jordan area and they looked over that river and they saw What they were told was their promised land. They saw people enjoying the very things that God had promised to them. I will give you a land filled with milk and honey, but I'm stuck eating manna and quail. They're living in a settled, guarded city. And we're living in tents, moving day by day. I can see my promise, but I can't live in it. Ugh. See, God always works through series, sequence, and succession. His timing is impeccable, He doesn't do things on accident he does things with precision and he has appointments that are set up and the problem that the people of God have most times is they're unwilling to be patient for what God said because sometimes God has to get some folks up out of your life before he can walk you into what he wants for you See, that generation that came out of Egypt, they were good people. They were God's people. But they still had Egypt in them. And you can't take Egypt up in your promise. Uh, There were days that those people from Egypt would complain and just want to go back because it was better there than it was in the wilderness. If we went there, we'd eat better, we'd live better. God ain't never taking you into your promise as long as there's somebody that has Egypt living in them up in their life. I want to pause right there. There's hope for you if you have Egypt in your life. If you've lived under oppression, don't hold on to that oppression. If you've lived under the rigorous toil of a taskmaster, that that taskmaster might be a spirit, but you don't have to live under that. I like what John said the other day in his party, John McGregor. He said, they say, once an addict, always an addict. He said, I reject that notion. I'm not an addict anymore. Don't take the, don't take the truths that people want to declare over your life. Don't accept that. You are not an alcoholic. You are not an addict. You are not less than. You are not stupid. You are not dumb. You are not a failure. You are a success. You are called by God. You don't have to live with Egypt up in your life. Somebody needs to dream again. So God p- particularly makes sure everybody everything's lined out. Even Moses has passed off the scene and we have a new leader. And God gives them instructions. And I'm going to skip over this whole part but I will say this. If you follow God's instructions, you prevent problems and you receive a desired outcome. If you follow God's instructions, you prevent problems and you receive a desired outcome. Hallelujah. My iPad's about to die, so hopefully I remember this word. (laughs) So God brings him to this place. And the first thing he does is stop. He tells them, lodge here. Pause. Pause. Anytime God stops you or anytime you experience a pause in your life, get ready. Get ready. When God says be still, something big is about to happen. Many times God will tell us to stop before he says step. These people had to stop before they could step in. When God stops you, the reason for the pause is to prepare you. The reason for the pause is to give you an opportunity to get your focus right. The reason for the pause is to change your perspective. To change what you're looking at. The reason for the pause is to get your attention. I like what happens in Exodus Chapter 14 and verse 13, Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, for you shall see the salvation of the Lord. In 2 Chronicles, David says the same thing. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The purpose of the pause is to prepare you for the promise. A lot of Ps in that sentence. I didn't write that one down, so hopefully somebody... Serious, the purpose of the pause is to prepare you for the promise. They approached the Jordan. It says that they were staying in Acacia Grove. And then Joshua took them to the bank of the Jordan. And they stayed there three days. So they were on the banks of the Jordan. Anytime in Scripture you read about the Jordan, The Jordan River always represents transition for the people of God in Scripture. It always represents transition. I don't know if you've been paying attention to anything in the world today, but things are changing. Things are changing. I'm a sports fanatic, and in sports world, things are changing things are changing we got some of the greatest coaches in history that are off the scene or they're changing jobs our beloved college football organization as a whole is changing sports are changing things are changing Uh, the political world is changing It's gross. It's no longer a debate about ideas to get us to a better place. Now it's a fight to see who can be right, whose opinion matters most, and who can have control. It's ridiculous. I want to encourage God's people in something. This is going to be a crazy year. When God is speaking to Joshua in chapter 1, and he's telling him to be strong and courageous walking into his promised land, he uses some interesting rhetoric. He said, do not sway to the right and do not sway to the left, but meditate on my word." Stop fighting for a party and start fighting for his word. Our cultural world is changing. The church is changing. We have packed houses, church houses, and thank God for it because at least they're hearing the message of Jesus Christ. But how many people are actually experiencing a move of God's spirit? We have a generation of wandering believers settling for God's provision and not walking in God's blessing. Across the globe, things are changing. See, a transition is a passage or it's a shift. It literally means to modulate. A transition is a place of distinguishing. It's a place of separation. It's a place of affirmation. You guys remember Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. When he came out, the presence of the Lord came like a dove and spoke over him. This is my son who I'm well pleased. But this is a moment of transition for the people of God. And I want to tell you whether you realize it or not, this is a moment of transition for God's people in this hour, and this time. It's, it's not just corporately, but individually. You have an opportunity in this moment in time to believe again, to dream again, and to see that dream come to fruition. See, what they were used to had changed. The manna at this point ceased. At this point, the manna stopped. This people had every reason to be worried. They had every reason to complain. They had every reason to question their leader. But somehow within them, they knew this. Sometimes God stops providing in one place to move you into your promised place. Mm. I want to encourage God's people to recognize transition. The instruction from Joshua was look for the ark. Look for it. It represents expectation and anticipation. The ark was representative of the presence of God. Look for it. Who's looking for God's presence in this hour? Who's looking for it? See, sidebar, a lot of us don't get to experience our dream because we're chasing the dream without chasing his presence. Because if you'll chase his presence, his presence will lead you right into that dream. When we come into church houses, we need to expect God to move. Let's just eliminate all the other ones. When you walk into Quest Church, expect God to move. When you walk in this building, come with an expectation that God's going to do something great in my life. Oh, maybe you have everything together. Maybe you're walking in the blessing. Then come in here with an expectation for somebody else. God, I know that you're going to bless my brother. I know that you're going to bless my sister. They've been praying. They've been believing. They've been struggling. I know their breakthrough is coming today. See, if God's people started coming into his house with an expectation of him to move, we'd start seeing deliverance again. We'd start seeing provision again. We'd start seeing breakthrough again. We'd start seeing healing again. We'd start seeing miracles again why because there's something about expectation when you put faith on what god is doing i'm telling you right now quest church start looking for his presence start looking for it start expecting it start having faith for it why at your job in your prayer closet wherever you go start having expectation that god could show up start looking for the ark to show up for you why because when it moves it's time for you to move Look for the ark. And then Joshua says, leave where you are. Leave where you are. Remove from that place. Remove from that place. Set out after it. You will never become who God destined you to be until you are willing to change. It might get uncomfortable here for a minute. You'll never be who God called you to be until you're willing to change. See, growth and production in life requires pruning. It requires things to be cut out. Sometimes for God to produce in your life like a seed, he has to plant you under a bunch of dirt. And you might be covered up and in a dark season, and all of a sudden there's fertilizer and all kind of, being rubbed all over you and that's you don't know what that's doing for you right there god's getting you ready for getting you ready for something you will never be who god called you to be unless you're willing to change the old axiom is growth is optional but change is mandatory change is mandatory Some people dwell in the same cycles because they refuse to take the exit ramps that God gives them. See, you're going to stay in bondage as long as you keep putting the shackles back on. There are a bunch of people that have experienced, like Paul and Silas, their praise at midnight. They were deep in their prison and said, you know what, God, I'm going to praise in this prison. And they praised in that prison. And they saw chains fall and doors fly open. And they reach right back down there and put them chains back on. You know why people do that? Because it's easier to stay in prison. It's so much easier to stay up in that mess. God, Jesus, he approaches the man at the pool of Bethesda, and he says, Do you want to be made whole? Because it's easier to live in that condition because somebody has to carry you to that place. Somebody has to prepare your food. Somebody has to take care of you. It's easier to stay in prison because they'll provide for you. You know where you're going to sleep at night. You have a structured day. You know how things are going to go because you're locked up in it. My question is do you want to be made whole? Growth is optional, change is mandatory. If you want to experience God's liberty, if you want to experience God's freedom, then you need to walk it out. God sets you free, then get up, roll up your mat, and be on your way and sin no more. You have the choice about whether you can sin anymore or not. I'm not talking about your habits. I'm talking about changing everything in your life, changing your mindset. I am not oppressed. I am not dealing with this spirit. If I've been delivered, then I've been delivered. That spirit is not here. I won't let my mind play those tricks on me. I am free leave where you are leave former mindsets didn't god tell abraham to leave your country and leave your kind if you want to go into god's promise for your life you got to leave some stuff you got to leave some stuff now here's the part i like and he said go after it (laughs) another way we could say that is go for it go for it go for it go for it go after what go after his presence. Now, we touched on this a little bit, but I need somebody to start pursuing God with all their heart. As the deer panteth for the water brook, so my soul pants after you, O God. I'm coming after God with all I got. I'm thirsty for it. I'm hungry for it. I can't wait to get to it. It's the sustenance of my life. God, I can't live without you in it. God, just take me if I can't have it. How can I live without Jesus in my life? How can I live without his presence? Go after it. Go after it. Don't just follow it. Pursue it. Don't just follow it. Pursue it. Track it down. Track it down. Sometimes God will hide from you just to see if you'll take the time to track him down. Sometimes God will hide from you just to see if you'll do what it takes to pursue him. Sometimes God will make himself invisible just to see if you'll trust him anyway. If you'll trust him anyway. If you'll chase him down. I need some God chasers up in this room. You got to do whatever it takes. You got to do whatever it takes to get to his presence. You got you to gotta get extreme about it. You got to rip off some roofs. If you can't get in there, everybody's crowded. You got to rip off some roofs to get to Jesus. You got to crawl through some crowds to get to his presence. You got to do whatever it takes. Leave where you are and go after it. And go after it. And go after it. And go after it. I'm going to skip a bunch here. So Joshua tells the priests to pick up the ark and to go before the people. Pick up the ark and go before the people. Interesting in my studies I learned, and I've studied the Bible my whole life because of my dad. He was an awesome biblical scholar. and He taught me a lot as a kid. And I never saw this. This is the first time in scripture where priests carried the ark. It's the first time. It's the first time. What's the significance of this? Because the people of God were used to the Levites carrying the ark. Okay, there's a difference. The priests of God's people came from the line of Levi, right? So they were also Levites. But the difference between the priests and the Levites were the priests were sons of Aaron and his lineage, they had a different responsibility than the rest. Of the tribe. The priests were responsible to be the pontifex or the bridge between God and his people. They offered sacrifices, they were the worshipers, they were the praisers. And so in the wilderness, the people of God saw the ark move a lot. And there was no real significance to it other than the fact that we're moving, so that our stuff got to move. They were used to seeing God's things moved around. But it was weird to them. It was peculiar to them when they saw some praisers get a hold of God's presence. Because uh, when praisers get a hold of God's presence, it's not things moving around, it's God is moving It's God is moving. So it wasn't that we are moving and God's coming with us. It's no, God is moving and we're going after where God is going. So, it wasn't a, so when God says he inhabits the praises of his people, he's trying to see are there any praisers that are willing to carry my presence? That's why we tell you to give God praise up in the house. That's why we tell you to lift up your voice and clap your hands. That's why we tell you to shout a little bit. But sir, I don't feel like that. I'm not that personality. I don't do those kinds of things. I'm sorry, but somebody got to praise God because we need somebody to carry God's presence. You don't know that somebody's destiny is not depending on your obedience to give God praise. Why? Because the only deliverance they'll ever experience, the only promise they'll ever get is if you praise him and his presence comes down and meets with them because they don't know how to praise him. They don't even have anything to praise him about. But I don't know about you. When I look back over my life, I have a testimony and I can say, God, if you've never done another thing for me, from the morning to the evening, I will give you praise because you've been good to me. I need to know if hey, God's been good to anybody in this room. If he's been good to you, you ought to give him praise because he deserves your praise jesus said if you don't praise him the rocks will cry out well that simply means it's hardcore stony things we begin to praise him in your place i don't want no stones in my place i got a position i am a praiser something happens when praisers carry his presence. That's why it's so important for this praise team and our praise leaders to carry his presence up in this room. You are a royal priesthood. We need them to carry God's presence up in this room. But we can't depend on them to carry his presence up in this room. When we come to church, we should have a praise in our mouth already. We should be praising when we wake up, when we're brushing our teeth, when we're getting our church clothes on, when we're driving to the house. We ought to look at our children in the car and tell them, you got a reason to praise them. I ain't heard a hallelujah this morning. I need somebody in this car to say hallelujah. We walk in this room carrying his presence carrying his presence. This is God's holy sanctuary. In God's holy sanctuary, wonders can happen. Why does God do all this? Why does God instruct his people like this? He said, sanctify yourself. For tomorrow I will do wonders among you. God wants to do wonders up in this sanctuary, in this altar right here. God wants to do wonders. In your house, God wants to do wonders. On your job, God wants to do wonders. The question is are you carrying his presence somebody give God some praise (laughs) wonders 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 dreams and wonders it's something to have a dream and just wish it would come to pass it's something to have a dream and lose hope that it could even be real Uh, So suddenly, because of the obedience of a people, and they took time to sanctify themselves, which simply means they separated themselves, and they got themselves ready. Literally means they prepared themselves. See, there's a level of responsibility that your your promise requires of you. You know, Pastor Rick preached about the megador. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a prophetic word over this house. There's a door that's going to be open, not only to this church, but to your family. But for that door to be real, there's a level of responsibility. There's a requirement of responsibility and obedience for you to be able to walk through that door. And God says, tomorrow. Tomorrow. You know what I love about tomorrow? Tomorrow. You know what I love about tomorrow, Caleb? It never ends. It's always tomorrow. It's always tomorrow. Just like today is always today. Tomorrow's always tomorrow. So if God tells me tomorrow, I'm going to do wonders among you, then that means every day of my life, I carry an expectation that there's a wonder set up for me today because yesterday he said, tomorrow I'm going to (laughs) do. In order for us to walk in God's dream for our life, his dream is synonymous with his promise. You're going to need God to do some wonders. You're going to need God to do some wonders. What is a wonder? A wonder is literally separate or distinct things. When something's a wonder, it's distinguished. If I were to say, what are the seven wonders of the world? They're named that for a reason. Because it is a wonder that the Egyptians built that pyramid, or the Hebrews, whoever you want to call it. It's a wonder. A wonder literally means to accomplish things that have been too difficult to accomplish. It means to reveal things that have been hidden. God wants to do wonders among his people. But Pastor Josh, they knew wonders. They saw the manna. They had to the quail. They were safe in a wilderness. They heard the stories of the pillar of fire and the cloud and the Red Sea parting. And the plagues that set them free. They saw water come out of a rock. They've seen wonders. They know wonders. Why is this so significant? Listen to the vocabulary. Tomorrow, I will do wonders among you. I'm not going to do wonders for you. I'm going to do wonders among you. You know what God is saying to his people in this hour? I won't make it happen without you anymore. I won't make it happen without you anymore. So if you're a priest, you got to step in. If you're one of the people, you got to sanctify and you got to follow. After his presence, because all the wonders the people of God experienced from this point forward, they participated in. <laughs> so, if they wanted to see victory at Jericho, they had to march and they had to shout. And if they wanted to experience a victory in the field of battle when it looked like there was no time to get it done, they had to keep on fighting so that God would stop the sun in the sky and give them plenty of time to win their battles. The wonders of your future you're going to have to participate in. It's time for the church, the body of Christ, God's people to get off their lazy... And, and start doing something with the calling and blessing of God. The problem is our culture and generation has taught us to be ready to receive. God's just going to drop it at our doorstep. It's time for people to get past waiting for God's provision and start walking in God's blessing. That takes some energy. You're going to have to take some steps. You're going to have to walk out on faith. You're going to have to believe God. I'm telling you somebody needs to believe again. If you believe that, I need somebody to stand on your feet and give god some praise in this room not on patty k god i need somebody to stand up in this room and just begin to give god some praise don't do that lift your hands across the sanctuary we're not going to have an altar call this morning this whole room is going to be our altar call god told me to come in here and encourage his people god told me to come in here and encourage you And what I came in here to tell you is to believe again. Believe again. Believe again. There are dreams and wonders that are in your hands. There are dreams and wonders that are in your hands. There are dreams and wonders that are in your hands. There are dreams and wonders that are in your hands. Believe it. Believe it. Okay, listen, 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 listen. The first time the word wonders is ever mentioned in the Bible. God is speaking to Moses. And you know what he tells him? He says, go to Pharaoh, listen to this, and perform the wonders I have put in your hand. It was a rod, it was just a stick. That's all it was. Go and perform the wonders that I have put in your hand. I have a question for you, what's in your hands? What's in your hands? That stick might turn into deliverance. That stick might turn into a promise that stick might turn into miracles what is in your hands i'm challenging god's people to begin to walk in the dreams and wonders that god gave you in order to do that you're gonna have to believe again you're gonna have to know that god can do all things come on come on come on come on